0: Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Today's reading is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 1 to 25. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never By the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties, Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters,
1: I just want to, before I begin, just say, um, take the opportunity to just say thank you, church, um, on behalf of Lee, my husband and myself and our four girls. We've been here since um, late January and it's just been a pleasure to serve and be part of the family and to go out for dinners and um, to, to meet you all. And uh, I, I feel in a sense though, I found my people and I think that Lee would say the same. Um, so, yeah, just, we just want to say that. And I just would really love to also just thank Mark and Peter and Dave and Brian for giving me the chance to preach and to have a go at developing that. That's been a real honour, and I know that that's, um, that's kind of special to be able to be given that chance. So uh, thank you so much. You've just heard Hebrews 10, read aloud, and boy, oh boy, it's a big one. I told a few pastor friends that I was preaching from Hebrews 10 and they said, ouch. <laughs> and I fasted and I prayed about the message and I, um, I meditated on it and I went over and over it for a week and I wrote things down and I you know, just kept trying to listen out for what God was saying. And I spent two solid days writing and um, at the end of the second day, I read over what I had written And it was just terrible. And then I sat in my kitchen table and I cried. And I cried for over an hour um, because I suffer from some anxiety and failing big in front of you all is fairly anxiety-inducing. And I told Peter and Brian that I was struggling and neither of them gave me an out. Neither of them said, I'll do it for you, which I'm glad now that they did it, but there was a bit of me hoping they might... Um, And I, you know, I had this panic attack, so the crying was like trying to breathe as well. Um, And, you know, at the end of the panic attack, I decided that the only way out is through, as Robert Frost would say. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that as we read it, it reads us. It churns us up and it takes us on a journey. It provokes us and leads us deeper into you. Please open us up this morning to understand Hebrews is not not just in an intellectual sense, but also maybe the truth of what this book means for us. Sink deep, deep into our hearts this morning. Amen. So this morning we're going to talk about some of the more difficult passages in the New Testament. And my terrible first sermon, Sermon 1.0 was an attempt to convey all the complexity of grace and God's sacrifice without having to be personal or courageous with you. And I think that's why Sermon 1.0 was so bad because Jesus told stories and Jesus also made himself more vulnerable than any human ever has. To step out of heaven and to become a man, knowing that he would be despised, rejected and then killed takes great courage. So this morning, I'm going to take his example and I'm going to speak from the heart with um, as much courage that I can muster. And I hope that my story as well as, this, as well as the scriptures will help you understand the key message of Hebrews 10. And if you're taking notes, write this one down. The key message of Hebrews 10, the thing that I think God wants me to say to you this morning is that you are perfect in God's sight. You are perfect in God's sight. But my story isn't easy, and it's not one for children. So if you've got a child who's sitting with you in church still this morning, um, you might want to walk them to the back just for a a few minutes. Um, And I'll use some euphemisms, and I'll be a little vague, so hopefully it'll go over their head anyway. But I just want to be sensitive to the children in the room. So here goes. I came to know Jesus as a little girl. When I was six, I stood with my mum in her room and I gave my life to Christ. I didn't have a rich understanding of what that meant, but I was sure that God loved me. And when my mum walked me through the sinner's prayer, I was all in with what I was praying. When I was 14, I was baptised at Contos in Margaret River on a Christian surfer's camp. I had some understanding that Jesus died for my sin. And that in his death, he took the punishment for my sin. But it was mostly head knowledge in that I could say that I, I understood and believed what Christians believed, and I really did believe, but I'd not entirely internalized that reality as truth for myself. In my late teens, some things happened to me, and the result of a complicated situation that is hard to talk about is that just before my 17th birthday, I became pregnant. Now, I've shared with you before that my sisters and I were raised by our dad, our single dad. So on the day that I found out I was pregnant, I called my dad at work and I told him he had to come get me, that I needed him and I needed him now and I didn't say why. I just said, come, dad, you've got to come. Wracked by the guilt um, that I brought a stress into my dad's life and unable to fathom the idea of asking him to raise a fifth child, I had no idea what to do. I told my dad about my situation. and He said, we will sort this out. Within 30 minutes, I was in the doctor's office and appointments had been made. Now I was, and I am, very pro-life. I believe that a baby is a person from the moment of conception, but I was also terrified. So I just closed my brain and my heart to any objection and went along with the thing that seemed like my very only option in the world. On the day of the procedure, my dad told me that it would be best that I not tell anyone about any of it, so I didn't. I just stuffed down the pain and I didn't talk to anyone. I'm grateful in a way for his instruction because it saved me from the cruel gossip of um, high school kids. But it also prevented me from digging into the grief and the loss and the shame that lay dormant in my life for a long time. Because I didn't talk to anyone, I didn't receive comfort or counselling. I didn't share with anyone the abuse that caused the situation in the first place. And so I did not receive treatment or counselling or emotional healing for that either. Because I didn't talk to a mature follower of Jesus, I didn't understand that what I had done had not excluded me from a relationship with Jesus Christ. I thought I had committed a sin that led to death and that all that was left for me was a fearful expectation and judgment that will consume the enemies of God, as Hebrews 10 puts it. Hebrews 10 also says that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God and they're the only parts of it that spoke loudly to me. And so for some years I thought I was lost to God. I'm not sure if you can relate to anything that I'm saying. I think there are probably some people amongst us who have at some time in their life done something that they thought was a deal breaker with God. And maybe there are some people today who are still unsure if they're really saved. Some among us might have an insecurity about what God says and who God says you are and your position with him. And our answer to those questions and those insecurities can be found in Hebrews 10 and specifically in verse 14. And so this is my simple but also very complex point for today. Verse 14 says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Let me say it again. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Hear that? Made perfect forever. Let's look at it in context of those verses surrounding it now. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to open to Hebrews 10. They'll be on the screen, but I'm going to jump around Hebrews 10 a little bit here. Hebrews 10 verse 11 says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. In this message to the Hebrew Christians, the writer has been careful to explain that Jesus' death is the sacrifice that replaces the old sacrificial system. Here in these verses, there's a reinforcement of that idea. First of all, we see the writer to the Hebrews offers a comparison of the Old Testament sacrificial system to what Jesus has done once for all. The priests stand and perform their duties day after day. Notice that the priests do not sit down because there is always more sin to bring before them. Always a guilty person bringing their sin offerings for the things that they've done again and again and the guilt they feel over and over. Hebrews 10.1 tells us, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who are drawing near, drawn near to worship. Otherwise, wouldn't they have not stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. The law and the sacrificial system was not enough to pay the price for sin once and for all. So those who want to draw near to God must come year after year and make a sacrifice. And notice verse 2 says, For the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all, they wouldn't have felt guilty for their sins. It's important. The old way does not truly take away the guilt because the sin offering must be given over and over. The guilt also resurfaces over and over. And what does this tell us about God? This guilty feeling that doesn't go away, this is not how God wants his people to live. We read in verse 12 that God offers a better way Through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says, But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. This priest is Jesus, and the sacrifice he has offered for all time is his death on the cross. And we see that after he has done this, he sits down. The fact that he sits down shows us that he doesn't need to perform this sacrifice again and again. His job is finished. His sacrifice is complete. His sitting down also shows us that God has accepted the sacrifice. God allows Jesus to take a seat at his right hand, showing that he's satisfied with the debt that has been paid for sin. So then we get to verse 14. For by one sacrifice... He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, this is one of those verses you can read over and over and think, well, that doesn't quite make sense. The verse tells us that Jesus' death has made perfect forever those who are being made perfect. Or in other words, Jesus has made holy forever those who are being made holy. Which one is it? Are we now perfect in Jesus' sight or are we being made perfect? Well, it's both. Firstly, the verse tells us that by Jesus' death, we are made perfect forever. His sacrificial death has covered our sin. So that all the sin we've committed and all that we will commit is already dealt with decisively once for all. When God looks at us, he does not think of our sin. He doesn't see our sin. He sees us as whole and perfect, sinless and blameless because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we need not fear God's judgment. We are perfect because God promises that he will remember our sins and lawless acts no more. It is like to God we have not even committed them, forgotten. I told you earlier that I did not know this reality in my life for a long time. For almost three years, I felt adrift from God, wanting to draw near to him, feeling extremely guilty for the things that I'd done, but unable to understand that I was already forgiven and made whole. I needed someone to walk me through the reality of Hebrews 10.14, but because I hadn't told anyone what I'd done, no one could really walk me through it, but God managed to get the message through to me. I had moved to Perth from Dunsborough to study at Curtin. Excuse me a moment. And I was living with my older sister, Cap. So occasionally, I went along to church with her, but I felt like an outsider. And I thought, well, if they knew what I had done, then they would. Be forced to shun me. Um, and one day I came home to an empty house and there was a bunch of books on the kitchen table that Kath had left there, uh, Christian books, and I started to thumb through them. One of the books was called Hanging in There and it was written by well-known Christian um, historian, author and speaker John Dixon. And you've heard me mention John Dixon before because he's in my collection of selfies with well-known Christian thought leaders that I showed you last time I was on, or maybe a time for. I picked up Hanging in there, and I started to read through it. And by the grace of God, my eyes fell upon this page. And this is what I read. I once spoke with a girl in her early 20s who couldn't shake the hurt and guilt she'd felt from the abortion she had undergone a couple of years before. Her life was filled with shame and regret. There are no easy answers for situations like hers and all I could do was listen and assure her of God's love and willingness to forgive. Now at the time I didn't know who this John Dixon guy was but hey, he'd written a book. He must have known what he was talking about. I so desperately wanted to believe that he was right. I took the book outside with me and it was a beautiful sunny day. I sat down on the grass, leaned up against our old brick barbecue and I prayed a prayer that I'd, like I'd never prayed before with a desperation and an urgency. I asked God to forgive me for the things that I'd done. I told him that I believed what John Dixon had written, that God loved me and wanted to forgive me. I named all the sins and with tears rolling down my face, I asked for forgiveness for them all. At that point in my prayer, a very strange feeling came across my chest. It was a very odd sensation. It felt like there was movement coming from around my ribcage and my chest. So much so that I opened my eyes to look down to see if there was something on me. And as I looked down, um, I saw, I guess it was a vision of um, like thousands of tiny crystal butterflies left off my chest. And I watched them go up and I watched them ...float away through the sky. And in that moment, I felt physically lighter. I felt like a huge burden had been lifted off me. And I'll never forget that moment of watching... ...what looked like thousands of crystal butterflies float away. Through that supernatural encounter, I came to realise... ...what Hebrews ten fourteen is talking about. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever... ...those who are being made holy. God had used a book to speak to my exact circumstance. He had to place it there in a moment when I was curious, hungry for truth and longing for forgiveness. In that encounter with God, I learned that I was made perfect. I learned that God did not count my sin against me and that in fact he was willing and eager to forgive. And I learned that he had forgiven me long ago, even before I knew it. I hope that you know that God has forgiven you of your sin. I hope that that you know that he is eager for you to find peace in that. He wants you to know that he remembers your sin no more. He wants you to know that when he looks at you, he sees you as perfect and whole without sin. He sees the person that you are becoming. Now that brings me to the second part of the verse. We've been made perfect, but we are also being made holy. There's this beautiful reality that we are saved by Jesus and made perfect forever by his sacrifice. But then there's also the part that says that it's an ongoing journey. So as I said earlier, while God sees us through the lens of what Jesus has done for us, that is made us right with him, we are not actually perfect yet. I mean, we, I think we all know that. And we won't be perfect until we're in heaven with God. And acceptance of what Jesus has done for us is just the beginning of this journey of becoming more like Christ. We are being set apart by God, growing in likeness to Christ as we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, to dwell in us and to work in us. As we are obedient to the gentle whisper of conviction that says, draw near to me start doing this, stop doing that, all the while knowing that we are dearly loved and already saved. So what is the reality of this situation of being made perfect forever, but also not yet perfect, having been made pure and without blame, yet still only on the way to being like Jesus? Sin can tempt us toward feeling guilty and inadequate, on the way on this journey and we can be in fear of punishment and it can cause us to withdraw from God as i told you i did but a knowledge of the reality of the fact that we are made perfect in Christ does the opposite of this and we can see that in these in these next verses when we read on from verse 19 so let's look at verse 19 therefore brothers and sisters Since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened through us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Notice the effect of the reality of being made perfect forever. When we are remembering that we are already made perfect, we can come before God with confidence. We know that he is going to forgive us, in fact, that he already has. God wants us to draw near to him. He doesn't want us to hide in shame and fear. What Jesus has done for us gives us full assurance of his love and his acceptance for us. In the Old Testament sacrificial system, we read that as the offering was made, the one offering the sacrifice was sprinkled with the blood of goats and bulls to make them ceremonially clean. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? The writer says it here again in chapter 10, that through Jesus' death, specifically the shedding of his blood, we are cleansed of a guilty conscience. This means, my friend, that if you have asked God to forgive you of your sin, he has also taken away your guilt. You don't have to hold on to that anymore either. You can draw near to God knowing that he's forgotten about your sin. He doesn't even remember it anymore. You don't have to carry it around with you either. You are no longer guilty and you no longer need to feel ashamed. It's been 21 years since I chose to terminate that pregnancy and I still think about that baby very often. The day I realised that I was forgiven was not the same day that the guilt went away. It's been a 21-year process. It's only been in the last five years that I've been able to say that the shame has gone, and that's also been with the help of counselling, Christian counselling. And um, it's only in this last year I've got to the place where I can talk about it without the fear of your (laughs) judgement over me. And so these days, the guilt and the shame... Has been replaced with a more peaceful feeling of sadness and loss. And sin, although forgiven, is not without consequence. I still cry about the loss sometimes. And I still wonder about the child that I didn't raise. I can't wait to meet her in heaven and introduce her to her sisters. And Lee has so patiently and tenderly walked me through that grief. So I hope you can see and understand that that understanding it's a process and that letting go of guilt and shame is a process. I'd like to conclude the message with a short video clip, which I think reinforces the idea... That when you enter into a relationship with God Through the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf You were transformed In that moment, the image of how God sees you changed And those who enter a relationship with Jesus Also enter into a lifelong journey Of growing closer to God And becoming more like his son Let's look at that now
0: I wonder